Thank you for listening to Simple Church, where we love God, love others, and serve our world. Tune in today for a life-changing message from our lead pastor, Tom Allen. It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with. I want to say that again. It's impossible to solve a problem when you don't know what's wrong to begin with. And I think one of the biggest problems as Christians that we have in letting Christ live his life out through us in freedom is that we don't always understand our problem. Because you see, most of our life, we spend our time trying to solve me. Me. Because there's something wrong with me. Because I want to do things right, and yet so often I find myself not doing what is right. I have no idea what's wrong with me or how to fix it. Uh, Some people have lost jobs because of that. They've lost marriages. They've lost money. They've lost sleep. They've lost time. Many of us have lost self-esteem or reputation or maybe even good relationships because we haven't been able to figure out what's wrong with me. What is it that causes me to say things and act ways and do things that I don't really want and yet I do them anyway? The Apostle Paul teaches us what's wrong with us in the book of Romans. And we're going to go there and spend some good time in that today. He teaches us what's wrong with us, and then he offers a solution to living free. So we begin our study with the definition of true freedom. Here's what it is. It's the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. True freedom is the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Now, that's what God wants for every follower of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to go to the book of Romans, and we're going to do some kind of theology stuff today. So put your thinking caps on, try to stay awake, and uh, we're going to try to make this as understandable and as applicable to our lives so that we walk out of here with a whole new understanding of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. So let's pray and ask God to help us live free. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. And I thank you for all that you have done for us in and through Christ. And my prayer is that these four weeks we will increasingly grow in our understanding and knowledge of what it means to live a life that is truly free in Christ. Because this world, our own humanity, and some principles that rule in this world seek to take us away from your plan for us And my prayer is that we will see the solution to that problem, to that desire for freedom that we have. We love you, Holy Spirit. You're the only one who can teach us this lesson. So my prayer is for the glory of Jesus Christ that you will teach and that you will impact in our hearts and minds truth that sets us free. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we ask it. Amen. All right, Paul starts out in the book of Romans, and it's chapter 7, and he starts showing us our problem. Read along, or just you watch as I read it for you, if you will. 
Paul says, I don't really understand myself. Haven't you found yourself at times saying that? You know? You know what? It, it, the way we usually say it is, what's wrong with me? You know? What's wrong with me? Why? Why? He says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right. In other words, I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better co-worker. I want to follow, be a better follower of Christ. I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Selfishness, pride, Abusiveness with words or acts, controlling, try to keep everything under control, unforgiving, I won't let go of that. He says, I don't understand why I don't do what I want to do. Instead, I do what I hate. And so the big question is, why don't we do what we should do? We know especially those of us who have been in church for a while or have studied the Bible or have heard the Bible taught, we know what we should do. Yet why do we struggle with that so often in our lives? And so he gives us the answer. Now, this is very important. Notice what he says in verses 18 through 19 of Romans chapter 7. He says, so I, now watch this, I am not the one doing wrong. He says, you know what I've come to understand? I, Paul, he said, you, a follower of Christ, okay? He says, I'm not the one doing wrong, but it is sin living in me that does it. Oh, so there's a principle within us that is at work inside of us as human beings that causes us to not be able so often to do the things we know and want to do. He says, it's not me. It's, it's sin living in me that does it. Then he goes on. And I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. He says, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. You can almost sense his frustration. He's just really frustrated with himself. He says, man, why do I have this struggle inside me? He even goes on one more time, and he says, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Maybe you've never struggled with that, but pastors do, okay? And you probably do also, all right? And so the problem is how do I solve me? So Paul goes on then and he explains how this problem came into our life. Because it's a very real problem and it came into our life in a certain way. Watch what he says, Romans 5.12. When Adam sinned. All right. So what we have to understand is, when God created the world, he created the earth and all the things that were on it, and then he created a human being, Adam, Adam, a human. All right. And he put him there and he said, Adam, everything that you see in this Garden of Eden that I've created for you, that's so wonderful, it's all yours, enjoy it, let's have a great time together, I'll come and I'll be with you all throughout the day and we'll just have a great time. 
And eventually, he created Eve, and he said to both of them, let's just enjoy this paradise, and, 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 and boy, what a good time. Oh, but by the way, um, because I created you in my image, you have free will, and I've got to allow you to have free will. That means you've got to have a choice. So you see that tree over there? You see that one? Well, it kind of sticks out over there. Don't touch that tree. Everything else in this whole garden is your, enjoy it to the fullest. Just don't touch that tree. Because I'm going to tell you, if you eat of that tree, you will die. You will die. Now, we know the story. They didn't listen to the Lord. They were tempted. And Adam allowed Eve to eat of the apple because he was right there with her. And then he ate. And the Bible says when that happened... An unbelievably momentous thing happened to this world. Now, let me go back to our scripture. When Adam sinned, oh, by the way, what you have to realize is Adam was our representative, okay? So whatever Adam would do would pass down to everybody who comes after him. See, our representatives represent us. So in Washington and in the State House downtown, we have people who are our representatives, and what they do passes down to us. That's exactly what happened with Adam. So it says, when Adam sinned, now watch what happened, sin entered the world. In other words, sin, this principle of sinfulness contaminated the whole human race because everyone that would follow after Adam and Eve, everyone who would follow would be contaminated with this principle of sinfulness that Adam brought upon us as our representative. It says, Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone sinned. It got into the very essence of our human humanity. And it passes down generation to generation, contaminated with a principle of sinfulness. Romans 3.23 puts us all in the same boat. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the absolute perfection and glory of God. So this principle of sin is at work in us. Now, right here we need to understand something. And this is where it gets a little bit uh, intense. So please stick with me because if you can catch this, if I can catch this, it can set us free. Okay? The reason we are sinners is not because of anything we did. but it's because of who we are related to. We're related to Adam from his seed, and that sin passed down through his seed to all of the human race. So Paul is trying to help us. Watch. He's trying to help us see sin as a noun. Okay? Sin as a noun, a thing, a power that's at work in us instead of a verb, behavior. 
okay? You got to get this. Paul's saying there's, there's a thing, there's a power in you and me that's at work in us, and it results in behaviors, but it's a principle of sin. So, so sin is a noun that leads to many verbs. You get that at all? Okay, let me try it again, because you got to get this if we're going to even understand this series. We have a principle of sinfulness in us. I am sinful, full of sin, because it passed down from Adam to me. Okay, that's that principle. That's that noun that's in me. And because that noun is in me, there's a lot of verbs that come out of me. Okay? So our problem with changing ourselves, and this is where all this self-help stuff is kind of kafui, okay? Because we go ahead and do all this self-help stuff, and we, but we still got this, this noun in us, this sinfulness thing that's at work in us all the time, okay? Now watch. Our problem with changing ourselves is we see the wrong we do as simply verbs, okay? So when, when, when I say I'm a sinner or when you say you're a sinner, we're thinking about verbs. Oh, I, I lied last week. Oh, my goodness. You know? Or I, I cheated on my taxes last April. Oh, or, or I lusted last weekend when I looked at those pictures. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Or, or I envied. I was full of envy when I saw my neighbor get their new hot tub. Oh. Forgive me, Brent. Uh, or, or I cursed. Oh, my goodness. I, I smashed my finger, and you can't believe what came out of my mouth. Oh, my goodness. I sinned. We look at sin as a bunch of verbs, and then we get all guilty and all confused, and you wonder why Christians have such a struggle in living the Christian life. It's because I'm verbing all the time. Can't get away from these verbs in me. And so, this is key. Our sins, verb, Entered this world through the sinfulness, that's a noun, of one man, Adam. And what happened is it brought death upon all the human race. Yes, physical death, yeah, this body's going to cease to function somewhere. But it brought a lot more important death than that. Because when Adam sinned, it brought a brokenness, a death, a barrier in our relationship with God. And we died in our relationship to God. And he wants us so badly, but we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We're dead in our sinfulness. And there's this barrier. that It's called sin, and God can't stand sin in his presence. So that barrier's there, and we're separated. We're dead to God. But not only that, it's because of that death that we died to so many relationships and we have so many struggles in our relationships with others because of this principle of sinfulness that's in us. 
And it's why we have so much problem even with self-acceptance and self-esteem and identity and a sense of worth because we really died to, to, to what God wanted us to be. That death passed upon all of us. Horrible thing. Okay? So right here is where we say, and you know, you hear all of this now, and you say, that's not fair. That's not fair. I didn't do that sin. Adam did that. I want you to know something. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. And since then, there's no such thing as fair. This, this whole thing in this world is, is not fair. It's not fair that 70,000 people are homeless in the Bahamas. That's not fair. It's not fair that I've had to live all my life with freckles. That's not fair. It's not fair that my mother at 64 died with Alzheimer's disease after she had lived one of the most godly lives I've ever known. That's not fair. Fairness ended in the Garden of Eden. And because of that, we've had our problems. Now, whether we're willing to admit it or not, we understand the problem, okay, because we live with ourselves. So the question is, is there a solution to our problem of me? Is there a solution to this noun that came with Adam that seems to want to work in my life to produce verbs? Is there a solution? And Paul says, absolutely, there's a solution. So I want to close with the solution. And, and we find it over in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 9 and 11. And here's the solution, okay? Christ died for our sins. Christ died to pay the penalty that Adam brought on us for our sinfulness. Let me show you how Paul puts it. It's really cool. He says, when we were utterly helpless. Hey, that's pretty cool. <laughs> He puts us all in the same boat. We were utterly helpless. We had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and there was not one thing we could do to make ourselves right before God, no matter how many good works, no matter how many how good deeds, no matter how many religious traditions we follow. None of it makes us right before God. We were utterly helpless. And by the way, no one can really come to a position of faith in Jesus Christ as the forgiver of their sin and the leader of their life until we come to that point of utter helplessness. It's called repentance. Repentance is where we recognize, I have sinned against you, O God, and I am worthy of eternal separation from you. But if you can do anything to help me, I can only look to you, for no one nor nothing else can save me. When we were utterly helpless, here's the cool, here's the solution. Christ came at just the right time, and he died for us sinners. That's our solution. You'll see it in a moment. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person Though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. Might die for Mother Teresa. Might. Maybe Billy Graham. 
Now, most people, okay, then he goes on and he says, but God showed his great love for us. Here's God. We're separated from him in our sinfulness. And he looked down and he said, I don't want them to be separated from me. And in his great love, he sent his son. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. To die for us while we were still sinners. That's what we celebrate on Good Friday and Easter, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And since we, now here we get into the heart of the solution. Watch. Since we have been made, what's the word? Right. In whose sight? Oh, the solution is Christ. And when you come to know Christ as the Son of God and as the only hope for salvation and you utterly helplessly repent of your sin before him and ask him to come into your life forgiving you of that sinfulness and then living his life in you and through you, Oh, all of a sudden, we come to realize I am made right in God's sight. A couple of theological words. One is righteous. That's what right is. I am made right. I was wrong. I had sinned and fall. I was made right. I'm righteous. So when God looks at me, he looks at me through Christ who died for me. And it goes on and it says, and it was by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. When I'm saved, Christ's blood washes over my sin. He paid the penalty for my sinfulness. And now he washes it away and makes me clean, the Bible says. And all of a sudden, I stand right before God. So when God looks at me today, he sees Jesus. And he says, you're okay, Tom. If he saw me, he'd say, go to hell. When he sees Jesus, he says, oh, you're right. Another big word is the word justification. We, the minute we're saved, we are justified. And someone just made it simple to understand because it's got, books have been written about it. But, but it just basically means I stand before God just if I'd never sinned. Justified. And because of Jesus Christ, that sinfulness that was in me is gone. It's removed. It's buried in the depths of the deepest sea. It's, it's moved as far as the east is from the west. It's covered in the blood of Christ. It's clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And I am now a child of God, and I'm born into his family, and he's my father, and I'm his son, and I'm an heir with Jesus Christ, and I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. And, I mean, God gives me everything back that sin stole from me. I am made right in God's sight. Just if I'd never sinned, all because of Christ's shedding his blood and dying and paying the penalty for our sin on the cross and being resurrected. Okay. Then he says, so now, and I just love this, this is so cool. 
So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ, so we got a new relationship with God. That barrier is gone. I am no longer sinful. If you are a child of God, your sinfulness is removed. You are forgiven. You are right in God's sight. Just as if you never sinned. And in the back of your mind, you're saying, well, then why do I have all these verbs? Well, we're going to talk about that the next three weeks. Because we're going to see how we find the victory over the verbs. Because the sinfulness is gone. So now there has to be another reason for the verbs because the noun doesn't exist anymore. See, Jesus paid it all. It's gone. It's removed. Now I stand before him as his child. So what, what Paul says is, he says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us what? Friends. Can you imagine God, God, and I'm his friend. Can you imagine? He calls me friend. He calls me child. He calls me beloved. So Paul is saying, when we accept what God has done for us through Christ, that means we're taken out of Adam and placed by faith into Christ. See, Christ is the one that makes us right. It's not me. It's not anything I've done. It's that I'm now in Christ, and Christ is in me. Notice, so important. I just want to add this caveat because it goes into the next few weeks, but, and then I'm going to show you the verse that says all this. This is hard for us to understand. You know why? Because I think, I know I was raised in a lot of this kind of tradition, even in a good Bible-preaching church. But so often for us to understand this, what we're, we're learning in this series is hard because what we think is, God, thank you for what you've done for me. Now, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. Okay? Oh, thank you, God. Now, here's how I'm going to just bless you, oh God. And, and, and I want you to know what that is. That's religion. And see, religion always fails us because I try to please God and I can't please God because I got verbs popping up. So we've got to understand first and foremost that that principle of sinfulness is removed. That no longer abides in any person who is a child of God. And the question is, well, what about the verbs? We'll talk about that. We're going to learn how to have the victory over the verbs. But the noun is gone. It's gone. All covered, all paid for. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he killed Satan and sin and death and hell, and they have no more power or authority in our lives, period. All gone. Now there's a new principle, and we're going to learn that the next three Sundays. Paul hints at it very powerfully in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. He says this, My old self, that's that noun, my old self, sinfulness, 
has been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Remember we had the problem with me? It's no longer me, I, who live. But Christ, what? Lives where? In me. The minute we receive Christ as the forgiver of our sin and the leader of our life, then Christ comes and takes up his residence in us, in the person of the Holy Spirit. That's Christ living in me. So, I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, if by the end of this series, you and I can understand what we've learned today and then learn how to deal with the verbs, <laughs> we're free. We're free. See, God doesn't want anything to keep you bumping your head against the box instead of coming out and going free into the lake. He wants us to be free. Now, next Sunday, as we start, here's what Paul's going to say. He's going to say, do you not know? That's where we'll start next week. Do you not know? In other words, there's a bunch of stuff we don't know. And we got to know it if we're going to be free. Because the people were struggling. They heard him say all this, and they say, yeah, but. <laughs> he says, do you not know? And so next week, we're going to seek to learn more of that which we need to know to live free. That's the Christian life. Father, thank you for these dear people, each person so precious to you. Thank you that we can be in community and in family here in this church, and we can love you and love each other and care for each other and want the very best from heaven for each other. Pray for each other and support each other. Sometimes correct each other so that we're always in that place where you can bring your best into our lives. I just pray that you will teach us, Lord, what we need to understand so that we can have the joy of the Lord and the abundant life and the freedom that you have purchased for us with your life, your death, your burial, your resurrection, and now you're living in us and through us. Teach us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that any person in this place who might not yet have looked to Jesus Christ and recognized, I am helpless. I am hopeless without you, Christ. I pray that you would cause them in their heart to be humble. And even just to say, Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God and that you paid my penalty. I ask for your forgiveness of my sinfulness. And I ask you to take control of my life. Be my Savior. Give them the grace to have that heart of repentance and acceptance of you. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you're new or want to know more about our Simple Church family, you can visit us online at simple.church or by downloading our simple.church app.